This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. And welcome back for another show. I'm Seb Lozier, and in the week we learned that tennis is set to resume in America in August, including the US Open. I'm delighted to say we're joined by a former champion at Flushing Meadows, Marin Cilic. Marin was very generous with his time. We spoke about his early life, his first tour win and title, and eventually that US Open victory. There were also painful memories of that blister in the Wimbledon final and another if-only in the Australian Open final. His love of Queens, fond memories of working with Goran Ivanisevic, Jonas Bjorkman and Ivan Sinkas and how new coach Vedran Martic might try and limit the number of times he bounces that ball before he serves. That is all to come, but we started with one of his biggest passions, the work he's been doing with his foundation during lockdown. Definitely, we are uh, preparing and planning uh, projects uh, every single year. Our two main projects uh, during the year, uh, one goes end of the year, is uh, scholarship recipients uh, for uh, talented young uh, sport athletes uh, in in Olympic individual sports and also uh, scholarships for musicians and also donations uh, for schools for their uh, STEM subjects uh, laboratories. So helping kids in general, uh, especially talented ones. And uh, also during the year, we had last year a project uh, which is called Gemset Croatia, uh, where I have involved uh, many uh, top athletes from Croatia, from Luka Modric to, to Mario Mandzukic and Bojan Bogdanovic, many others. And um, in that project, we were uh, playing for a uh, building of a playground, multifunctional playground in uh, undeveloped areas in uh, schools in Croatia. So that project is coming to an end. And uh, a few days ago, I visited that uh, playground with uh, my fellow tennis uh, colleagues as we were in this uh, region where the, the playground is being uh, built. And uh, I was extremely thrilled to, to see that uh, the work is almost done. We are just missing the final layer of color and, and uh, the surface on top of the asphalt. And kids are going to be enjoying themselves. This school has around uh, 150 kids uh, in school plus uh, four or five different uh, schools from that uh, from cities around are going to be using that playground so it's uh, it's been a pleasure to open up this project uh, in my foundation a big one uh, and uh, it's it's uh, especially beautiful because it's uh, in in a definitely undeveloped area in croatia i was going to ask you why you chose this particular school we asked uh, all the schools in croatia especially from these undeveloped areas uh, to send us, uh, obviously, their, their wishes, their remarks. Uh, and uh, this school has been only school in Croatia that didn't have a playground, uh, okay. especially in their, in their county. They didn't have a playground at all, and also the school didn't have a playground. Uh, there were several others and, and many other schools that needed uh, repairments uh, of their playground, but uh, we, we, we gave uh, this school a chance and uh, built the playground from the start. What was the driving force in the first place, Marin, behind setting up the foundation? What what made you really want to do this? I would say my background. I'm coming from a really small city. Also, uh, as I would say, uh, many of uh, my tennis colleagues uh, and most likely uh, 
athletes around the world share a similar story coming from a small city and, and not having great conditions to, to practice, uh, to pursue sport uh, or passion that, uh, that, that you love. And uh, this idea came up when I was, you know, on the tour already uh, established as, as a player, made great uh, success. And uh, I was, you know, always helping charities uh, or many other charity uh, organizations uh, in Croatia and abroad. But uh, I felt that I would be able to do much, much more and try to help many more children if I could do something systematically from the first uh, point onwards uh, and not just, uh, you know, be all over the place. And in the beginning, it wasn't definitely easy to pick what actually to do. I was sort of more uh, focused into education uh, for the kids and, and helping them uh, with those uh, uh, small things. But uh, in the end, the real real desire came up when I was reading a book from uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Outliers, Why Are Successful People So Successful? And, uh, you know, just uh, it opened up my, my mind, opened up my uh, vision as, as, you know, he's talking about in the book, uh, you know, and sharing many different stories from, uh, you know, great entrepreneurs, uh, you know, many successful people from Beatles to, to athletes and all different uh, areas so that we all get this uh, opportunity in our lifetime. And that opportunity drives us, uh, drives us forward. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that definitely there are many talented kids around the world that uh, need, need help. And, you know, because of the region where they're from, or maybe, you know, family background, uh, you know, not having that uh, financial background that they can get the support from is not helping them to uh, pursue their uh, passion. So that was the, the background of it. And, you know, now last uh, three, four years, we are uh, pushing this uh, very, very strongly. And, uh, and especially in Croatia, there are many kids that uh, definitely need help. You must have touched the lives of thousands of kids. I mean, were there any kids that maybe just made you really think of yourself growing up? Yeah, absolutely. As, as, uh, especially uh, for these scholarship projects, uh, you know, we are getting motivational letters from kids. Uh, and, and, you know, those are kids between age of uh, somewhere like eight, nine years old until uh, 17, 18. And, and each motivational letter I read, I see myself. Kids enjoying what they do. They love it. Uh, and they, they are going for, to such a distances, you know, to uh, pursue their passion and to uh, sort of try to be the best uh, they can be. And uh, there are a few that are absolutely excelling. For example, last year in 2019, uh, one uh, scholarship recipient, uh, he, was, he was in uh, wrestling and uh, he was our number one pick. And for 15 times, he has lost uh, to his uh, biggest rival uh, in his category. And for the 16th time, he, uh, he managed to beat him. And uh, he's uh, in family of, of seven. He's got uh, four sisters and, and brothers, uh, you know, wakes up like 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, goes for practices. Uh, he's extremely great in school. Uh, he's very, very diligent. diligent and, and, you know, stories like that just uh, give you this spark uh, why am I doing uh, this, what I do? It, it just brings joy in me. And, and uh, you know, when I see happiness on their faces and even with that little bit of a help of a scholarship, uh, you know, it uh, just uh, makes me so, so happy uh, to, to try to help them uh, even more. 
what of the future with this, Marin? Um, is it more scholarships, more summer camps? What, 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 how do you want it to grow? Well, absolutely. For the moment, uh, we are focusing on Croatia. As, as that's the uh, base and, and starting point. But uh, obviously, I want to uh, look ahead and, and you know, in, in, like in everything, you know, trying what I do to have uh, setting myself a goal that is in the furthest distance and, and saying, why not, you know? And so uh, obviously expanding that to, you know, much broader region to Europe and then later to world uh, to try to touch as many kids as possible. Uh, and and uh, I had a help uh, already from different Croatian communities and I had also organized foundation dinner in London, uh, in Los Angeles, in Melbourne. So uh, it's been, it's been uh, really successful also around the world. And I was, I'm definitely fortunate to be having this kind of a job that I do as a public person that I can, uh, you know, that people know me around the world and that also know that when the funds actually go into foundation, they go strictly directly to kids as uh, all administration uh, costs, uh, salaries, uh, everything around administration I'm taking care of and every single donation that comes into foundation is directly going uh, for kids and, and projects. You mentioned your own background earlier, and that, and that you know you you it played a little bit into it. Um, what was life like for you growing up? I, I guess in, um, I, I think you were born three years before Croatia's independence. Is that right? So you were born in Yugoslavia, and then what, what was life like during the war time? I you know I I didn't feel it that much. Uh, we were in the shelters uh, on the coast in Croatia, far from everything, and uh, you know starting as a kid. Uh, as as any other kid, uh, being happy, enjoying, uh, you know, to to uh, play on the playground, uh, football, basketball, uh, you know, just running around, having having fun. That's that's always been a huge pleasure. And along with that, I played tennis. Uh, I was fortunate enough, and also I guess uh, Ivan, uh, who has been my neighbor, uh, we are living 300 meters from each other. Ivan Dodig. We practiced together since Ivan has been is a bit older than me, but uh, we practiced since uh, I started tennis. Also, his brother, who is his coach, uh, we were going to same classroom together, same grade. So uh, we followed each other during the years, and that was uh, one of the blessings. And the other one, you know, to tell you a little bit of, about uh, my background, my parents were, were in that region. People worked mostly in vineyards and tobacco fields uh, back in, in, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. And then in the 90s, started a little bit growing much more. And uh, my parents wanted me and all my brothers to try to pursue some sports and, and try to have, you know, something in that, something uh, bigger. And, and uh, when my father had an opportunity to build the tennis court behind my house, at that time, that was 1996, uh, my, my grandparents were still alive. And then uh, when my father explained them the idea that he's going to build a tennis court, they told him he's completely nuts. <laughs> you know, uh, that's like, uh, you're going to lose money. Why are you doing that? Uh, you know, what's the idea behind it? So, you know, just open up some business, uh, do something like that, not, not waste your money uh, into that. But my father and my parents had a vision and they wanted to give me the best they could. And so. Um, it was there was not much tradition of tennis uh, tennis tradition in my region started especially in my 
hometown. Medjugorje started basically with Ivan Dodik's uh, uncle building a first tennis court in 1993 or so. And so uh, there was not much. And, and, you know, being as a happy kid and not knowing what the future holds, what is uh, behind <laughs> the corner and just, just enjoying having fun. And, and I still have... Um, interview article uh, in my in my room in my uh, hometown at my parents house it says one day at Wimbledon and uh, <laughs> I was 12 years old at that time and that was uh, absolutely the dream but uh, you know as a kid you have no idea what what you need to do and what you need to train and what you need to achieve uh, to get there was having a, ta- a tennis court in your back garden literally the, the only way at the time there was no other no other way to play well, yeah, and, and uh, luckily, uh, because of Goran, uh, Goran Ivanishevich and, and his success uh, during those 90s, uh, so many kids played. And uh, I tell you, tournaments had uh, full draws, qualifying draws were also full. I remember that, that we also had mixed tournaments, uh, girls and boys playing together. Uh, that was fun, too. And, and um, I think competition, especially in Croatia, was, was really, really high. And uh, I think that that helped me, that helped uh, many others that also succeeded, uh, you know, on these times. Uh, but to have a tennis court at home was, was absolutely a blessing. I remember summer times, uh, sort of uh, June, July, August, when the real heat gets in, we would be watering the court with that uh, a garden hose. <laughs> and uh, it would take us probably around two, two and a half hours to, to water the court and then we go play. But it was it was all fun, you know. Uh, as as a kid, uh, you don't think about those things. And today, I really doubt that you know many of the kids would be you know watering the court to to be able to play for for two and a half hours. Absolutely. You you mentioned Goran Ivanišević, and I guess Ivan Lubčić as well. Um, both idols of yours at at the time, and Goran winning Wimbledon and and all that sort of stuff. How important were they both for you growing up? At the beginning, they had that. Uh, help that hasn't been that's not seen you know sort of uh, bringing aura around tennis uh, growing tennis because of their success and uh, because of that uh, you know many kids playing competition growing etc uh, etc et that was the first layer and then when I when I was 14 Goran uh, was at that time recovering from his shoulder injury in Zagreb I was at that time in Zagreb and through our common friends, I got to know Goran and he played with me a few times and, and he was uh, really impressed with me and my uh, my colleague at the time. And uh, as uh, months were going by, he was practicing more and more with me and also introduced me to Bob Brett at that time around. So I went to Bob Brett's academy around 15. So, you know, at, at from that 14, age of 14, 15, that was the second part of influence uh, from Goran. And Bob Brett's academy was in Italy, wasn't it? So, I mean, for this, how hard was that, moving away and doing it all in another country? It was different. I mean, luckily for me, I was, I was playing all these European tournaments under 14, uh, had, had great success with that. Uh, and also, uh, because of that, I was uh, called by a federation coach at the time uh, to come to Zagreb, uh, which was obviously a big, big decision for me and my family. Mm. I was separated then from my family, but living in another family uh, with, my, with my godfather in Zagreb, uh, coming to San Remo was, was incredible. Um, and, and for me, first, first kind of experience of basically seeing what practices look like on, on a highest level. 
uh, and that was a really eye-opening and straight after first week that I was there I was there also on my own my godfather drove me from Zagreb to San Remo and and uh, he left the day after and I stayed for for seven days and from there from San Remo I went to Italy uh, obviously stayed in Italy to Orbitello uh, championship 16 and under and managed to win that uh, European championship so uh, that was already you know, strike of great luck, and and you know, I stayed great in great connection since then with Bob. When you achieve junior success like that, does that help, or does that make you a target for other guys your age to try and beat? I mean, what were the kind of challenges you were facing around that time? There are a couple of challenges that uh, do actually come. It's it's uh, obviously uh, more pressure in that way that you are, you know, there on on a map. Uh, you you put put yourself uh, on a map, and and now you need to show. Uh, also your your sponsors uh, you know people around that you are capable of of uh, achieving uh, great success and and getting to you know professional tennis uh, on the other side is also your own expectations you you sort of feel that okay uh, you know i need to continue to play well as uh, sometimes it's a diversion those uh, those junior tournaments as you know consistently you are if you are really good, you're consistently going to be in quarterfinals, semifinals, winning those tournaments. And then when you come to Pro Tour, you know, uh, those guys are uh, not going to go easy. So you can have uh, some tough times losing in qualifyings and in uh, first rounds. And a lot of kids uh, over there just uh, lose their own way. Uh, but but for me, it was a uh, window opening. You know, I had some wild cards around uh, in, in Croatia, I played Inumak tournament in 2005, then in 2006 as well, uh, in Zagreb ATP, uh, then all these challenger level tournaments, uh, etc. So it definitely helped uh, with with being recognized by tournament directors as a great youngster, great potential, and uh, obviously those wild cards uh, absolutely do help, uh, but in the right time. Marin, I want to ask you about some of your biggest achievements in the game. But first of all, before we get on to that, your first tour win. What are your memories of that and how special that was? First tour win was, was 2006 uh, in, in Zagreb ATP against uh, Igor Andreev. At the time, I was, I was a youngster and just before the tournament, uh, just before the ATP tournament, I believe uh, I have won also Futures tournament in Zagreb the, on the second one, played the final as well. Not sure if it was before or after, but anyways, uh, you know, having a wild card and playing against Igor, who was at the time, I believe, 26 in the rankings, beating him was, was just like a incredible, like a boost of, of confidence and, and experience like you see on the on the game. You know, if you play any, any games, uh, like boost was, was incredible. And, and so uh, from that point on, you know, I started to uh, feel really good and, and uh, have confidence that I have the level that I need to continue to work and that, uh, you know, uh, that I can definitely compete with the, with the top 100 in the world. And your first tour title? First tour title was 2008, uh, New Heaven. And that was, that was also a, a fun one and also uh, in great memory. Before New Heaven, I participated in my first Olympics in Beijing. I was there with, with Ivan Ljubicic. Unfortunately, we were, suppo- we were supposed to play doubles, but Ivan was injured. So I just played the singles lost in the second second round to Gonzalez, who, who played the final. And the guys were saying, oh, Marin, you played great. You, you are in great form, et 
etc etc i'm saying you know come on i lost second round this is no good and then uh, luckily later uh, i mean it was one or two weeks later in new heaven won, won the won the time so it was uh, really really special and uh, to to win it as a teenager was even more special you're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, and that is the voice of Marin Cilic. Um, Marin, let's talk about the big headline achievements. Um, obviously, that first tour title is a is a massive one for you, but it's a very long list of achievements. US Open champion 2014, 18 titles in all, two Queen's titles, two times a Grand Slam runner-up, Davis Cup champion. What are the sweetest memories, though? What 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 are you most proud of so far? You know, I have to put their uh, achievement of winning a Grand Slam title in, in US Open, especially in this kind of era with all these big names and, and record breakers uh, in our game. And, and definitely stays on the top, uh, winning US Open and, and you know, playing Shikori in the final was, was special. Also playing Roger in the semis and, and having that run was, was incredible. But definitely I was, I'm also extremely proud of reaching finals in Wimbledon. Uh, finals at Australian Open, I believe those are great milestones. Winning Cincinnati ATP thousand, and that was that was also a special one. And and collecting all tour titles from two fifties, uh, actually from futures to challenger to two fifties, five hundred thousand, and a Grand Slam, and and a, and also Davis Cup in the end. So uh, it's, it's definitely special to have all different ones and but definitely uh, those those grand slam achievements uh, stand out as, as great but also what i would consider as a great achievement is is reaching four times uh, atp tour nito finals looking back when do you think you were playing or you've played your best tennis when when do you look back and think wow you know that that was a real purple patch as uh, one piece of of uh, the best tennis was absolutely at us open those last right. uh, 7 to 10 days but as a as a much much bigger patch, it's absolutely in in uh, from play season in 2017 until sort of beginning of February of 2018, and I reached their incredible uh, uh, results: finals at Wimbledon, also finals at Australian Open, and, and reached number three in the world. So those that patch of uh, seven eight months was was just uh, pure joy. In terms of the coaches you've worked with you've worked with a, a few in recent times um let's just go through them quickly i mean what was it like working with goran having grown up with him and and watched him play what what, what kind of coaching relationship did you guys have very friendly goran's approach is very easy very simple uh, he also focuses a lot to have a great time off the court uh, in order to have a great success on the court to feel good uh, he was kind of like that as a player and that that helps you you know that releases the pressure uh, you are also uh, you know in a good mood Goran is a, is a unbelievable fun guy he's always he's always uh, having uh, jokes in, under his sleeve and and he is a great worker I believe I don't know how people if people do know him he's been uh, one of the best prepared guys on the tour at the time and he was playing uh they called him a rabbit they, they still do his his nickname is a rabbit so uh he's been uh, extremely physically talented and and you know uh, he's extremely quick and and what above all he's uh, really competitive you know sometimes we would play some games uh, 
on the practice and and uh, he would be so intense you know to win and it's been you know for me it's okay playing fun you know you of course you want to you want to win you are serious but uh, the level that goran gets at uh, when we, when it's competition time it's it's unreal so uh, you just see those from from you know champions and and uh, people that uh, have great success and uh, it's been definitely also great timing for us to, to collaborate the time because before I was working with Bob uh, which also was coached uh, he also coached Goran yeah. and so Goran knew the work that Bob did and also and then added onto that layer his own work so that was that was great and you mentioned the the real purple patch of your career came I think under Jonas Bjorkman uh, you worked with Jonas for a, for a while. Um, what did Jonas bring? He's a he's another. Well, he's Swedish, very calm, very organized. But what what was that like working with him? Exactly, you you <laughs> pictured him, explained him, uh, described him uh, perfectly. And and uh, Jonas is is uh, unbelievable guy. He's uh, one of the best guys that I've met uh, around uh, in tennis and in general. He's uh, really really professional, very dedicated, very diligent knows his own stuff uh, and, and everything's you know in the box as as it needs to be in, in scandinavia uh, and and it's been uh, definitely great great working with him and and jonas has a different game style different approach uh, he's been you know uh, having a great success also on doubles tour but uh, in the singles he reached the uh, number four in the rankings and has had great scops during the during his career and had uh, you know great attacking game coming forward, and that was my idea at the time to try to have somebody who can who is really uh, top class and world class uh, in in that uh, net game, and and that was you know for me at the time it was it was great combination of uh, slowly adding those uh, small pieces into the game. And who knows, but for a horrible blister on your foot, that may have produced a Wimbledon title. I mean, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, you know, that Wimbledon final against Roger, the blister. Um, you were heartbroken. I think everyone was heartbroken with you. That must have been just, you know, what, what were you th- thinking sitting there in your chair? Apart from, wow, my foot hurts. Not now. Come on. Not now. Please, tomorrow. <laughs> or any other 350 days in a year. Um, well, you know, obviously you learn as you go and, and as you live and during my career I didn't have any problems with blisters and you know I guess it, it had to happen in that kind of a way even before the tournament you know I, I was really professional I went to obviously I have my own team but I went to in Wimbledon uh, there was a podiatrist there and uh, went to visit him just before a tournament to take care of the f- feet and and uh, everything was was great until I uh, was sort of close to the end of my semi-final match against Sam Crowe. And I started to feel on my foot, you know, something itching. Uh, I don't know what it was, and and uh, but it didn't bother me. And straight after the match, everything cooled off, and I was in the locker room, and and uh, I was I went to the physios over there, ATP physios, and they they saw there is already some. Uh, some fluid on the it's blister coming up and I was okay no no worries it's a little bit of a blister there is another two two and a half days until the finals we're gonna take care of it no no worries at all and then Saturday came we're not progressing Sunday came but I was not stressing out as also doctors there were saying okay we can uh, you know we can give you injection to just numb the pain there 
you know, it's going to be fun. And so we start, tried that uh, for my warm up, didn't work. Tried that also before uh, I was going on the court, didn't work. And I was like, come on, not, not today. And that, that, was, that was definitely a strike of uh, really, 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 really bad luck uh, at that time. Yeah, I guess if you're going to go on court with a blister against any player on grass, it probably does. You don't want it to be Roger Federer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, I, I started I started actually in the beginning. Okay, as I was going for for broke, and I, you know, was going for for everything, trying to risk uh, and to play, you know, the, the shortest possible rallies. But you know, when when you actually see on the across the net that you know somebody is is having a problem, you are gonna be targeting that and sort of those kind of things you can't you can't disguise. And so um, I felt okay. I mean. I have no chance uh, to win uh, over here. I was even thinking, you know, obviously to retire, but it's Wimbledon final. Come on, let's. I'll, I'll try to put up uh, the best best uh, performance I can, and, and you know, play play until the end. Six months later, you you played another Grand Slam final against Roger, Australian Open. By that time, I think you were just with Ivan Sinkus, who'd taken over um, sole charge uh, of you. Um, and you reached a career high number three with Ivan, as you said before. What was it like getting back to working with a Croatian and someone that you'd known for a long time? Ivan has been in my camp also uh, for the back period of, of uh, my work time with, with Goran, also with, with Jonas. So I, I enjoyed working with Ivan. And, and, you know, when you have somebody from your own country and also speaking your language, it's uh, obviously much more relaxing, you know, person can get to know you and and the, the culture is just a little bit different and so for me it was it was amazing uh work with Ivan that he did was was uh world world class and so uh, it uh, definitely wasn't by coincidence that I came to to number three in the world and and uh, you know it was also I was quite close to to win that title in Australia which uh, would be you know dream come true definitely last year th- then you worked with Wayne Ferreira what did Wayne? What, what was the thinking behind that relationship? What did you want Wayne to bring? Well, uh, for me, I was I was looking uh, into possibilities who to work with, and, and uh, you know, a top class player and, and somebody that also had great guidance during during my career with with coaches. Uh, it's also not easy to find somebody as as uh, that somebody can add something extra. And for me. Uh, vision behind that was uh, Wayne was in top 10 for many years. He had that kind of a thinking game and, and he always had great success with, with top players uh, playing against them and he was a real thinker on the court. And sort of I felt that he can be definitely a great addition uh, to my team, to my work, and he had the great work ethics. Uh, he didn't work on the tour before, which can be a negative and positive as well. Uh, positive in a way that he is extremely motivated. He wants to, you know, push as much as you can, as much as he can, and, and to sort of bring that uh, motivation, high motivation, extra boost of energy uh, to my team. And uh, those things all work together. But, you know, just we worked uh, for a period of uh, six months. And, you know, I, I felt that we were just slightly differentiating ourselves in our vision and that was the part where if I am earlier in my career I feel that my ideas would be different and, and thinking but now sort of uh, feeling that I'm getting closer to the end of my career and I feel that I need okay somebody that is gonna really really click into into everything that I that I feel like. 
And that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think you're now working with Vedran Martic, the, the Croatian who also worked with Goran before. He's, he's been working with Karen Hachinov, um fairly recently. Good guy. I, I've, I've, I've talked to Vedran a few times. Seems a nice guy. Yeah, great pronunciation. Uh, you can you can come to Croatia definitely. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, Vedran is is uh, I feel and I think the the most enthusiastic guy that I have ever met uh, that that uh, watches tennis twenty four seven nonstop in tennis, uh, analyzes it. Uh, he worked with Goran for several years, uh, Karen, as you mentioned, and uh, even though for some parts of the of his career coaching career he hasn't been on the tour he's been following everyone uh watching tennis uh non-stop so uh he's got great great experience great knowledge um and he also at the time when he was working with goran he was also at the time was was bob was working bob was coach of goran so he uh, got also a lot of his knowledge from bob and and uh he's one of those coaches from old school like really really professional really diligent uh, and i believe uh, he can be huge huge help me for me and plus uh, also another on top layer of that is he's also croatian so that can that can be a great combo i'm intrigued to ask about the serve because karen i think he worked a lot on karen's serve also he you know goran obviously served huge the bouncing the ball, I have to ask, because Goran hardly bounced it at all. I think, um, and and you obviously you have this you have this routine where you bounce it a number of times. Has Vedran talked to you about this? Is he going to try and tinker with that? Um, he did, he did talk, but uh, I also talked to myself. You know, I said <laughs> I cannot do that anymore. <laughs> you know, the thing is that when I when I get to that line, sometimes you know I just start to bounce and and I cannot get into the serve motion. You know, it's just so annoying sometimes, and I <laughs> annoy my opponents and I guess fans as well. But uh, I think I'm uh, you know slowly reducing and uh, should be fun to watch me again. <laughs> So how many bounces are we trying to get to? What's the what's the perfect number of bounces? Around 25. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many seriously, how many do you want to get it down to? 6, 8, 10? Yeah, I think I think up to 8 is everything is okay. Above 8 is is questionable. <laughs> so if it's above 8, we'll know you're having a bad day. Okay. Yeah, fine. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, Marin, um it's fantastic talking to you. Just just to finish, I wanted to ask you about the fact that you you're a husband now you're a father you, you married Christina a couple of years ago your son arrived Baldo this year how, how is all of this changing your perspective on on the game I guess and on traveling and leaving them so far it hasn't changed much uh, luckily well, no, I was yeah. out of the tour yeah <laughs> luckily I was out of the tour most of the time but uh oh, boy it's it's been uh, such a such a blast these uh now four and a half, almost months since uh, my son has been born, and uh, you know, I enjoyed every single day. Uh, and and uh, you know, now everything is about him. You know, he is creating the schedule. Okay, at these times you are free. So, uh, and and uh, it was also great to be around him with my wife, uh, seeing him grow, and and also seeing that it's uh, you know hands down to, to all mothers uh, around in the world and especially also I said thanks uh, to my mom for all the work that they go through and parents especially because it's not easy definitely it's uh, also you have great days but also you can have 
some tough days. Uh, this morning I woke up uh, 5:25, something like that. And you got to be ready uh, for those those things. But uh, it's been all a blast and a joy. And you know, I hope definitely that he's going to be growing uh, nicely. And and, uh, and and for me, I believe it definitely can be a huge boost of motivation, as I feel that uh, when I'm actually away, that I'm uh, really using that time as a great opportunity to do great things uh, for for the sport I love. And and presumably wanting to get back to, to winning titles. A couple of years now since your last one in Queens, I think you you beat Novak Djokovic in, in the final there. I mean, obviously you want to get back to winning titles and, and back to, you know, to, to the world's top 10, top five, whatever. What, what kind of targets are you and Vedran setting now? Uh, slowly, slowly, you know, target would be, first target would be to come to, back to top 20 and then uh, seeing things uh, from there. As, uh, you know, always you need to have uh, some small goals, big goals. And uh, I believe that I have still really good level. Uh, you know, I haven't forgotten to, to play tennis. It's just, uh, it needs to be a good combination of, uh, you know, physical abilities, technical, also mental abilities. And, and to uh, put that together, into tournaments, uh, the the I feel now in last probably 18 to 24 months, in the last two years, the competition has grown much much more. I would compare it to the years somewhere like 2008, 9, uh, 10, when you where you had a combination of that older generation born in 81, 80, 81, 82, from a Roger to an Albanian uh, to to uh, Ljubicic as well to and then these. Uh, younger generation to uh, Novak and the uh, Del Potro, me, many, many others. So uh, I think now these youngsters are coming up and, and uh, you know, uh, getting better and better. And these uh, guys at the top that still are uh, young as me are uh, are definitely, definitely battling it nicely. Well, yeah, just finally. I mean, you're 31 still. How long do you think you're you're going to go? I mean, you know, Rogers, what, 38, 39 now? Is the plan to keep on going as long as the body carries you around, or are you setting a definite sort of age on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. Uh, I wouldn't try to put limits on myself. I would love to definitely compete on the tour as uh, you know, tour also tennis in general as. as we love it. Uh, this is this is not something that we that we enjoy so much. Uh, me especially, I, you know, when I would be now these days, there is no no much tennis, but I would be watching tennis twenty four seven, and my wife would say, "Come on, please <laughs> switch off tennis at least for a little bit." And so, uh, so I enjoy enjoy tennis. I, I definitely love it, and and for me, it's not hard to get up in the morning and to go practice and to push myself as much as I can. Uh, to try to achieve and to feel those things to be at the top of the world, winning at the best possible scenarios, Grand Slams or or tournaments like Queens or you know anything anything like that. Uh, especially Queens uh, is the best tournament of the year, I have to say. And uh, I don't know, four or five, who knows, six years. Maybe at that later part of my career, maybe at 35, 36, maybe I would be just trying to focus to play 10 tournaments in a year, just Grand Slams and, you know, something like that. Who knows? Maybe that's going to still keep me on the on the tour. Um, but as long as I am feeling good that I can win most of the matches that I play, I'll, I'll be playing. My thanks to Marin Cilic and good luck, especially with his foundation and, of course, when he gets back out on court for the proposed resumption 
of the ATP Tour and Grand Slams. I'm Seb Lozier. It's been a pleasure hosting another ATP Tennis Radio podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can do that on Twitter. That's at ATP Tennis Radio. By email, studio at atptennisradio.com. Or you can simply leave us a review. Remember, you can check out all the latest news at atptour.com or download the ATP Tour app. We'll have more tennis talk next week. See you then. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. review.